Well, hey, we've had a great week of ministry. Once again, thank you so much, all of y'all who served, who made that happen. Uh, it was awesome, and we'll be hearing more about it and celebrating it at our concert of praise in uh, the month of August as everything uh, kind of finishes up. Of course, our student ministry uh, doesn't get a break because they have a retreat coming up and so many other things that they're doing. So continue to pray for both Jared and Trey and our youth ministry team as they pull that off. All right. So we are in the fifth week of this series through the Ten Commandments. We're calling it the Decalogue because literally what it says in the scripture is God has given us these ten words, Decalogue from Exodus chapter 20. And when when people, many people, when they think about God, they tend to make a really quick connection between God and rules, God and standards, God and requirements or, or law. However, it is so important to remember that before God gives the nation of Israel the law in Exodus chapter 20, that it is preceded by 19 chapters of grace. Now, the first four commandments that we've covered so far could be summarized this way. One God, one way, one name, one day. One God, one way, one name, one day. One God, you shall have no other gods before me. One way, you shall not worship idols. One name, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. In one day, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Like one God, that calls for unrivaled allegiance. One way, that's undiluted worship. One name, that's unparalleled reverence. And one day, that's unhurried rest. Like that is the first table or tablet of the law. Like historically, both Jews and Christians have thought of one table or tablet of the law as dealing with the vertical obligations between us and God, between God's covenant people and Himself, and the other table of the law as dealing with our horizontal obligations to our neighbor. And in fact, when Jesus was asked the question, which is the greatest commandment? That is exactly how he both summarized the law, the Ten Commandments, and divided the tables of the law. In Matthew 22, he answers that question this way. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Summarizing the first four commandments. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law of the prophets hang on these two commandments. And so today we're in the fifth of this series and the fifth commandment and the fifth word then is a transi transition between the first table of the law to the second. Like the, the foundation of the first table of the law was the first word. Like, like you shall have no other gods before me. That sets the course for the first table of the law. That's the foundation. And the foundation of the second table of the law 
is this fifth command we're about to look on. And of course, a foundation is there so that you can build on it. Like you build on a foundation. And so here's the foundation of the second table of the law. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. How are you doing with that command? Honor the Lord. I'm sorry, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. That's really straightforward. In fact, it's incredibly clear. Like honor your father and mother. I mean, I know that there are parts of the Bible that are difficult to understand, right? But the Decalogue is not one of them. In fact, this command certainly is not one of them. It would be disingenuous for anyone to read this command or read the Decalogue and respond, well, you know, I don't really get it. Like, I just don't get it. Like, the Bible is just so hard to understand. You know, I just wish God would just spell it out, you know? Like, I, I, I wish that God, like, why, why doesn't He just tell me clearly what He wants us to do? Okay, honor your father and your mother. Hmm, yes. But what does the Hebrew word for father and mother mean? You know? Church, there's nothing vague about the Ten Commandments. And there's certainly nothing vague about this commandment. There's also no exception clause given with this commandment. It's like no exception clause for if you have bad or dishonorable parents. If you, like me, grew up in an incredibly dysfunctional family, I don't get an out on obeying this command. And there's also no expiration date. Like when you reach a certain age or move into your own home, where you're then like out of the responsibility of honoring father and mother. He just says, God speaks, honor your father and your mother. To which someone might respond, yeah, but that's just your interpretation. Well, the interesting thing about verse 12 of Exodus 20 is that it's one of those verses where the observation and the interpretation are almost the exact same thing. Like it's one of those things you don't even have to explain. Of course, I'm going to spend some time explaining it, but you don't actually have to. Like we know what it looks like when we personally have received honor. When someone like takes us seriously, when they treat us with respect or esteem, we know what that feels like. And that's what God is telling Israel in this passage. Honor your father and your mother. Like the observation matches the interpretation. It's only with the application that we get to kind of expand on it, to flesh it out, but we don't get to abbreviate it. To shrink it down. We can't disregard it. These are not the ten suggestions. They are the ten commandments from God. And in fact, they are also not the top ten answers to some survey on morality. Like, who spoke all these words? I mean, we read in the very first verse of this chapter, God spoke all these words saying. And so this is Yahweh Himself speaking from the mountain out of the fire 
to the nation of Israel. Years later, when they're about to go into the promised land, Moses gives them this charge again. In Deuteronomy 5, he spells out the law and he says this, the Lord spoke to you face to face out of the fire on the mountain. Like, where does this stuff come from? You were there. Like, you remember. Like, this is forever, like, just seared into your memory. Like, God spoke from the fire. Verse 22, it says, These are the commandments the Lord proclaimed in a loud voice to the whole assembly there on the mountain from out of the fire. God didn't whisper this. This wasn't a still small voice. This wasn't something that you could reinterpret your own way. I did. I heard it this way. You heard it that way. No, God spoke loudly and clearly. And what did He say? Honor your father and your mother. Well, now God, you're just kind of messing with my personal life. Like I, I like keep church at church. I'm all about worshiping you. I don't want to have idols, but. You don't know my parents. Honor your father and your mother. And like I've said, this is like the transition from the vertical responsibilities to the horizontal. The first table of the law governs our relationship with Yahweh and the second table of the law governs our relationship as a covenant people, our human relationships. Love God and love people. And as God starts giving rules of how to govern those human relationships, His first priority among all human relationships is your mom and dad. His first priority among all human relationships is the family. Like this command serves as the foundation for the next five commandments. So how did you do this past week in honoring and obeying this command. Like, how did you do? I mean, some people may think, well, Bobby, I did great because I'm 35 years old, <laughs> right? And I passed that stage of my life. But please, guys, understand this. God's not taking a time out in the middle of giving the Ten Commandments to hold children's church. right? This isn't the children's church element of the Decalogue. Like the, the first audience, the primary audience for this command was adults. So the starting point of this command, honor your father and your mother, is an, adu- is an adult child in their responsibilities to care for their aging parents. Like, guys, it it starts there. It It can grow and expand from there, but that's where it starts because you never outgrow your parents. Like, you never outgrow your parents. You are their child forever. And so what does it mean to honor mom and dad? The Hebrew word kabod translated honor here means to be heavy, to be weighty, has the idea of burdensome, weighing you down, or being significant. 
Like it's used of what is important and what is substantial. It's the same root word from which we get the noun for glory in the Old Testament. Speaking of the glory of the weightiness of God. As an imperative, this word means give weight to, glorify, esteem. It's to give someone their rightful place to take them seriously. Like it's used in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30, God says, those who honor Me, same word, those who honor Me, I will honor. It's as if God is saying, hey, those of you who take Me seriously, I will take serious. Like if you take Me seriously, I'll take you seriously. If you, if you hear My words with the proper amount of weight, I will add weight to your words. To which I have to ask, do you take your parents seriously? Adults, do you take your parents seriously? Do you take their needs, their relational, their spiritual, their physical needs seriously? Like, do you give their position as parents the due weight that it deserves? Like, I love what Kevin DeYoung writes about this. He says, to be a parent is a weighty thing. Moms and dads, is that not true? To be a parent is a weighty thing. To be given the title of mother or father is to be designated with an office of great significance. In fact, I'll just tell you, I can't think of a higher office. To be a dad... To be a mom, to be called father by someone, that is a responsibility that does not go away. Man, I can tell you, all my kids are grown now. All my kids are out of the house. All of them are married. A couple of my kids are parents of their own. The weight doesn't go away. (laughs) The burden doesn't leave me. Like I'm always thinking about my kids. I mean, that's just what parents do. They leave the house and now we're worried that they're gone. Right? What dumb things are they doing? Lots. Right? So do you recognize your parents' importance? Do you recognize your parents' significance? Like to honor your parents is to respect, esteem, value, and prize them. And the opposite of honoring them is trivializing them despising them, forgetting them, or treating them like they do not matter. Do you feel the weight of that, kids? All of us. Do you feel the weight of your responsibility to them? Do you honor your parents? Like honor is something that begins in our hearts. It begins internally, but then it shows itself externally in our actions. Like as an example, when you have honor for something in your heart, it comes out of your mouth. Like when you're psyched about something, when you're stoked about something, like like you think this is the greatest thing, you can't help but praise it, but, but speak about it. Jesus said, out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. What do you say about mom and dad? 
What do you say about your parents, even if they are like my parents, dead? My dad died when I was 19 years old. My mom died when I was 28. Like, what do you say about your parents? What comes out of your mouth? It comes out of you because it is in you. I have sisters in my family who if I bring up my dad, like it is, buckle up, it's going to be bad. The things that come out of their mouth. Like they've held on to grudges for so many years. Once again, my dad died years and years and years ago. And yet they're still holding on to that. It comes out of them because it is in them. So that's what it means really to honor your parents. Now I want to spend most of my time here as we close in in applying this command. Like basically God is saying and He's commanding that we should do whatever renders honor to our parents related to our context in the moment and our stage of life, meaning that it will look differently at different stages of your life to honor your parents. Like, as an example, I don't call my grown children on a Saturday morning at 7 a.m. and tell them to get out of bed, make sure they make their bed, and did you wash behind your ears last night? Like, I don't do that. That would be weird. Right? My, my role has changed with them, and their role has changed with me, and yet honor has not gone away, and I'm still their dad. And so, like, we're gonna look, I'm just gonna divide it between three stages and look at each of these, uh, in regard to the command to honor our parents, and we're also gonna look at the responsibility of the parent at each of these stages, and the cha- stages are Children, young adults, or youth, and then adults who are out of the home. And so the application for children is very clear in the Scripture. And here it is. Children, obey. Like that's what the Bible says. In fact, Paul uh, twice makes that his application point for this fifth commandment. In Ephesians chapter 6, he says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And so why should you obey your parents? Because you cannot separate obeying your parents from obeying God. They go together. You obey your parents in the Lord. Why do you obey your parents? Because according to this passage and the promise, it will go better with you if you obey. Life works better when you align yourself under God's authority and under the authorities that He has set in place. I mean, if you don't believe that, I mean, you can test that today when you leave the church, like go as fast as your car can possibly go like down 79, changing lanes without signaling. In fact, don't even get in your lane. If the other one, the left lane's open, cars aren't coming this way, get in that lane. And test and see if it'll go well for you. Like life goes better when we're under the authority that God has set above us. Paul says this again in Colossians 3.20. He simply says, children, obey your parents in everything for this 
pleases the Lord. Why obey your parents? Because it's pleasing to the Lord. That should be enough. Like as Christians, like if I thought, I wonder how I can please the Lord. Like what can I do? It's spelled out right here. Maybe I'm confused about every other passage in the entire Bible about what I can do to please my Savior. But here it tells me if I obey my parents, I'm pleasing the Lord. Man, I'm going to do that. Like that's enough for me. Obeying the authority of a parent, by the way, is the beginning of respecting every other authority in your life. Like this relationship with mom and dad shapes all other relationships. And if you are broken at this point, it will be reflected in how you interact with a teacher, with a principal, with a police officer, with an employer, with men or women in authority over you. It will show itself. That's just how it works. In fact, Augustine emphasizing the significance of this command, ask this question. If anyone fails to honor his parents, is there anyone he will spare? Like if he shows no honor to dad, do you expect him to show honor to you? If he won't respect his mom, do you think he's going to respect that badge? That title? Of course not. I mean, think about it. This is so interesting to me because after delivering His people from bondage and Egypt, God wanted to teach them how to live freely with one another after 400 years of slavery. And so He told them, start here, start by honoring your father and your mother. So the question that would come, especially after Colossians 3.20, obey your parents in everything, is are there limits to obedience? Well, of course there are. If your parents command you to do what God forbids or forbid you to do what God commands, you should not, you cannot obey them. The first table of the law takes precedence over the second. But kids, children, our responsibility at this stage in life is to obey. And the application for the parent here is to train and teach. That's what we need to be doing. Fathers, do not exasperate your children, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The training and instruction of the Lord. You, you parent, like it's your responsibility. You are the first evangelist to your children. The first person to bring the Gospel to them. You are their first pastor. Their first judge. Their first leader. Their first teacher. Like one of the things that we need to teach our children is what obedience looks like. And in fact, by our behavior, what we allow or don't allow, we're giving our kids the definition of obedience that they will use elsewhere in life with a cop, with a teacher, with a leader, with an employer. So how do you find, define obedience for your children? Like for us, when our kids were in the home, we said that it is obedience when you do it the first time, when you do it completely, and when you do it with a happy heart. Like you could do it the first time, but do it halfway. While you grumble, that's not obedience. 
where you could do it the, you know, the first time and you could do it completely, but you could wind the whole way. That's not obedience. Like it's first time completely with a happy heart. And here's a, I think a really good test of how your, uh, your teaching of your kids is taking root in their lives. A great question to ask is, is your child a blessing to others? Teachers, babysitters, children's ministry workers. Is your children, are your children a blessing to other adults in how they interact with them and how they respond to them? Danny Box, the pastor at uh, Hill Country Pflugerville, who was my uh, boss for many, many years, used to tell me that when my kids act up, they become the teacher and I become the student and they teach me what I need to teach them. And I think that's really good. Okay, that's the application for children. Quickly, the application for youth, and I'm thinking primarily of teenagers and college students, those who are living in the home or those who are still kind of under your roof financially. Um, the application for them is respect, to which the pushback might be, but you don't know my parents. And yet Scripture tells us, show honor to whom honor is due. And who is honor due to? Scripture says, honor your father and your mother. It doesn't say honor your father or your mother. Like you get to pick and choose which one you want to honor and which one you can disregard. It doesn't say honor the honorable parents the ones who've earned it from you. Because if you go down that path, guys, it is a rocky road in dealing with all authority as if they have to earn the right for you to show them honor. I love the scene in the miniseries Band of Brothers where the main character tells someone who failed to salute him because of a personal issue. You salute the rank not the man. And guys, that's what we do with parents. Sometimes, in fact, the, the, the best way we can help them move uh, as parents to, to be more honorable is by showing them honor. Treating them with respect. Can I, can I just tell you, like I grew up with a dad who to this day is still the meanest person I've ever known. And... And yet, I was commanded to show him honor. I mean, it was a wake-up call when I was in high school when someone shared with me what a disrespectful punk of a son I was being to my dad as I spoke about him and shared about him in Bible studies. And it was a, an incredible wake-up call that I was not obeying what God had commanded. In fact, He told me, and it stuck with me like this... 18-year-old boy told me that it wasn't an accident that Charlie Pruitt was my dad, but that God in eternity past had decided and determined, predestined that Charles Pruitt would be my dad. And in that kind of understanding, he commanded me, honor your father and your mother. So the application for young adults or youth, teenagers, college age, is to show respect. 
Maybe to thank them for the things they do well. I can tell you with my dad, one of the things he did well is he passed on to all his children a really strong work ethic. He didn't know the Scripture. If you don't work, you shouldn't eat. But he lived that way. And I tell you, I respect that he taught us that. Now the application for the parent during this stage of their parenting is to model honor. Like if you want your kids to honor you, help them. Help them obey this command by being honorable people. How? Well, follow the Lord. Like Joshua 24.15, Joshua declares, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You got to wonder, did Joshua get with his wife and kids and take a vote? No. Joshua voted. And everyone else got in line. Because your family's not a democracy. Like you set the course. Like you set the schedule. You set the priorities for your family. If you have teenage kids and they don't have time to be in a discipleship group, because they're so busy with other activities like sports, right? you have a choice to make. Are you going to graduate an athlete or a disciple? Because you can't do both. You have to set your priority. They can be an athletic disciple, but you should make that your top priority. Another thing we can do to help our kids honor us is be genuine. Can I tell you, I've told this to people in counseling situations for years. I grew up in just about the worst situation you could grow up in in my dysfunctional family. The only thing worse than growing up in a dysfunctional family like mine is growing up in a dysfunctional Christian family. I thank God that my dad wasn't a Christian acting the way he did and treating us the way he did. Because if he had been a Christian or claimed the name of Christ doing that stuff, I would have run far from the church. And in doing so, I wouldn't have come to faith. And I wouldn't have been able to share the Gospel with my dad. And so guys, be genuine. And then finally, the application for all the rest of us in this room. We're all adults with adult parents, either living or dead, the application for adults is to care. Like to care for our parents. Remember, this is the first audience of the fifth word. Your parents are your responsibility, not the government's responsibility. They're your responsibility. 1 Timothy 5 says, if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents for this is pleasing to God. Man, you ought to circle that. Repaying your parents? Like I've never heard that. I've read the Bible and I've never seen that. Well, you have to have eyes to see, right? And ears to hear. Like repaying your parents who have given the best years of their life for you. And now it's your turn. I mean, think about 
the person who modeled this in Scripture better than anyone was Jesus. While hanging on the cross, carrying the sins of all the world, he looked down and saw his mom and gave John responsibility over her. Behold your son, and son, behold your mother. Even on the cross, he was caring for his widowed mother. If we can honor our parents as adults by speaking kindly to them and about them, we can honor our parents by showing them consideration, bringing them into our lives. We can honor them by including them in our plans, like by getting their wisdom. Can I just say one of the dumbest and most dangerous parenting trends in our culture today is what I have termed wiki parenting, patent pending, right? Wiki parenting is all these young adults who are having kids and wondering just how to change a diaper, how to get your kid off the pacifier, how to wean them from the bottle, how to whatever, and they go on TikTok or they go on Instagram or they read a blog by some stranger when they have a mom and a dad who actually had children, them, and went through all of this. Like, it's kind of crazy. It's kind of like when I was at Hill Country Austin, we would interview people for a job, and if we interviewed somebody internal, like he was in the church, They would just tear them apart because we knew everything about them. Instead, we'd bring some guy in from the outside. We didn't know them from Adam's dog. And we would interview them and just be wowed and amazed by them because we didn't know they were just like this guy. At least with this guy, we knew where the problems were. With this guy, he just did a great job hiding them. Guys, you know where your parents are weak. And you know where they're strong. And so don't go on Instagram to learn how to be a parent when you've got a living mom or a living dad or a living grandma or a living grandpa or in-laws. Ask them. Get their wisdom. Finally, we can honor them by caring for them in their season of need. I just said this, but parents give us the best years of their life. I mean, the, the best years of their health. I mean, think about it. When your parents were like thin and they had hair and they were earning a lot of money, what were they doing with that money? They were spending it all on you. They could have had a smaller house, but they had to have a big house that you'd fit in it. They could have had a better car, but they had to have a big clunky minivan so that they could cart you around to baseball games. Their bonuses went to the vacations that you went on. They gave the best earning years of their life to you and when they need you the most. You say, go apply for something with the government and there's a home that you can live in. How? How dare we? Guys, church, that's how the world thinks. That is not how the covenant people of God are to think. At all. Man, wouldn't it be wonderfully countercultural for people to step in the doors of our church and see adults caring for their parents, bringing them to church, 
And I know there is a time and there comes a time when we can't care for them in our own home. They have needs beyond ours. But let that be the exception, not the rule. Application for parents in this stage of life, our stage of life, my stage of life, finish well. Dads, think like a patriarch. Moms, think like a matriarch. Don't simply think about the moment. Think about multiple generations. Think about legacy. Think about longevity. Think about the multiplication of faithfulness. If you ever have the thought, now it's time to coast. This is my time now. Understand that your time will come when the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ shall rise. Until then, stay the course. Finish well. That voice in your head that says it's your time now originates in the garden with a serpent named Lucifer. Did God really say? Let me close with a great promise from this passage. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So what does this promise mean? What did it mean for those first Israelites who heard it? See, the context informed them about the absolute best way to fulfill this command. Like for the Israelite, keeping the covenant with God ensured that they got to remain within the borders of the land that God had given them. So in light of that, how can you truly honor your father and your mother? Here it is, guys. By loving and serving Jesus more faithfully, more passionately, more unreservedly than they ever thought of doing by passing them spiritually. That's how you build a legacy. That's how you honor mom and dad. By thinking, you know what? By the grace of God and through His strength, I can surpass them in my love for Jesus. I can add to what they began. I can surpass them in passionate obedience. I can be a better father. I can be a better mother. I can build on their legacy of faithfulness. That's what they want me to do. That's what honors them and that's what honors God. But guys, here's the great news for all of us. We're all just prodigals. Right? We've all lived out in the far country feeding pigs and had that aha moment where we realized how much better was it in my Father's house. And our Father, our Heavenly Father, welcomed us back. Like today, you need to understand, today is the first day of your obedience to this command. Start fresh today. I know you've blown it. I've blown it. Start today and say, I want to be obedient. I want to honor God and honor my mom and dad Today, I want to return. In fact, as we step into a time of communion, the prodigal comes home and the father says, let's throw a party. Let's have a feast. The son of mine was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and he's found. This table is a foretaste of the feast that the father is preparing for us. Let's pray. Father, thank You for uh, moms and dads who 
did well in giving their children in this room a foretaste of a heavenly Father who loved them and sacrificed for them. But Father, we are also thankful for the moms and dads who didn't do so well. Some who did just the best that they possibly could because they were a step better than a terrible, terrible dad or granddad before them. And so, Father, we ask that You would help us start today by obeying You. Start today by building a legacy. Start today by in Your grace and strength charting a new future. And Lord, we pray for our children that they would love You more than we do. Serve You better than we do. See more people come to faith through their service and Gospel shares than we have. But Lord, we don't want to coast as men and women. We want to finish well. Lord, so we come to this table weak, in need of strength, hungry, in need of nourishment, thirsty, in need of refreshment. And Lord, we thank You that You provide it here through the death of Your Son in whose name we pray. Amen.